I can't always t- I can't always promise you where this goes. I know. All right, go for it. You always surprise us. <laughs> Whatever. You're always full of surprises. Hi, I'm Pastor Joe. And I'm Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. Kirsten, is it just me or has it been a very busy season? It's been a busy season. I mean, I not. It's been busy, though, for months. So we keep saying that. Well, busy, I don't yes. I think it's going to slow down. Busy, yes. But lately. We've been saying that about work, too. Like, everything's just busy. Not just church stuff. I mean, just life I stuff. I know. Well, we haven't. We're having to now schedule time to be home. Yes. Like, oh, look, there's a day on the calendar this month with nothing. Like, guard it for our lives. <laughs> Maybe future podcast topic could be work-life balance and all that. But, you know, it's, it kind of started, you know, uh, towards last week where just this, it just, you know how seasons in life just get really ramped up fast. And it's like, holy cow, you know, it, every day it's just something. But uh, Brock and I went to the Chiefs game a week ago Thursday. Yeah. And then when we got back from that Chiefs game, it was like full throttle. We get home, and then that weekend was extremely busy with with all kinds of things, and then um, and then that next Monday and Tuesday, several of us went to the Arkansas Ministers Retreat, and of course, whenever you have a couple days out of your week, you know that happen like that, your whole your whole work week is just in disarray at that point. Shot. Everything you do Monday and Tuesday, the first part of the week, it, it's you lose those days. But the retreat was incredible. So a couple of us pastors here at the the church went down near Fort Smith, met with a bunch of ministers from Arkansas, and what do a lot of ministers do at a ministers. Well, retreat? I can tell you, we eat a lot of food. That that is true. Shocking. But I'm going to tell you, I go to the Arkansas ministers retreat every year, and I just love those guys. It's not a huge gathering of, of guys. It's probably so it's not all the ministers in Arkansas. It's a lot of them, but but uh, but it's not. It's still even at that. It's not a huge group. But um, it's great fellowship. But this year we had um, Bobby Harrington from the Renew.org ministry come. And I'm just going to tell you, I just connected with that guy. I mean, we, I mean, I don't know if there's an organization right now that speaks more my language because they're all about discipleship, purity of God's word, um, restoring uh, of what it means to be a first century Christian. I mean, just everything that they do. I just love, I've been interacting with this group for a, a while now, but it's the first time I got to sit down and, and visit with with Bobby. And I'll tell you what, it was really cool at the retreat. Um, I had a guy come up and introduce himself to me and uh, he works with Renew. And he said, are you Dick Williams' son? Aww. And I said, I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, I thought you were Dick Williams' son. He goes, can I tell you about... Um, I got to spend some time with your dad years ago. He goes way back to the eighties. He goes, your dad flew into where I was and I was picking him up to the airport and it was like a leadership thing they were doing. And he said, we were supposed to play golf together that day, but it rained out. So we ended up just sitting around and visiting. He goes, I sat around with your dad for a couple hours and it was like the most, I can tell you right now, Joe, it was like the most among the most influential two hours of oh, my life. And I said, wow. really? And for those who may not know, my dad went to heaven a couple years ago, miss him dearly. So whenever I interact with somebody who knew my dad, mm-hmm. I, I always perk up and he sought me out. He said, yeah, so your dad and I, we sat down 
and he walked me through his his um, evangelism process. And he uses a passage out of the book of Acts. And there's like, with these few verses, you walk through these nine steps of leading somebody to Jesus. He said, it's the most simple, clear, personal yeah. evangelistic, method, evangelistic method I've ever seen. And I have used it. And he goes, Joe, I have led over 250 people to Christ just with that, from that wow. conversation with your dad. He <laughs> goes, so, cool. <laughs> so much was the impact of that two hours that a few years ago, he goes, I shared it with one of the guys at Renew who actually took that talk, made a, a blog post about it, and they and they put it on their website a while back. I said, I didn't know any of this happened. Wow. He goes, yeah, we even referenced your dad as coming from him. And I said, you've got to get me this, this article. Cool. So he texted me the link, and uh, it just made my whole yeah. day. It was like... Do you remember when your dad and you sat on the edge of our bed in our bedroom here mm-hmm. in Kansas City, and he went over that whole thing with you? Mm-hmm. I have a picture of you or video of something because I walked in and saw that and you guys were going over the same stuff. Not that he was obviously not leading Joe to the Lord at the time because he was the pastor here at New Life. But I still remember that and him taking that time to kind of walk that through with you. Yeah. That's cool. Absolutely. Uh, But I just... Yeah, I've got that still, that That's that paperwork amazing. that he kind of walked through, how he walks yeah. people through the Bible to teach them what it's all about, the simple process. And so to hear to hear this individual say that to that me. That was sweet of him to seek you out so he could tell you that. Yeah, it just, it really blessed me. But we had a great Arkansas ministers retreat, very rewarding. Um, came home from that Tuesday, late afternoon, evening. And then Thursday, Brock took off for an orchestra trip. And you took off for Annapolis. Why you just I did. so? And I thought, you know, every guy in the world's like, I get the whole weekend. But every father and husband, <laughs> I get the whole no, because I end up going to the ministers re, or the men's That's retreat it, yeah. at the church. Oh yeah. But and so it's just the business. But but you went to Annapolis to see Neil, which I know yeah. was refreshing to your spirit. Well, um, I had planned. I knew that I didn't want to go till Thanksgiving to see Neil again. Last time we saw him was in August. So I planned a girl's weekend. So I called my mom and asked her if she wanted to go and my sister and sister-in-law and they couldn't make it, but my mom and I went. So we just had a girl's weekend and flew out to Annapolis and got to see Neil, got to hug on him and spoil him a little bit. So it was my birthday in October, Neil's birthday in October, and my mom's birthday is like four days after Neil's. So all within a month. Uh, all three of our birthdays. So we went out for dinner and celebrated each other's birthdays, gave Neil some homemade goodies and spoiled him a little rotten. And Went to the Navy Air Force football game. We did game. go to the Navy Air Force game and we went to one of his parades that he marched in his last parade for the season and it was torrential downpour. And uh, so apparently all those kids are going to go hang up their parade uniform in the dorm and the dorm's going to smell like a stinky dog or something. <laughs> Um, and, uh, we went to the Navy air force boxing matches on Friday night. And, uh, so we just, it was just a good weekend to hang out with them and see him and celebrate him a little bit. And so you're out in Annapolis. Yeah. Brock was down in Dallas with the orchestra. I'm at the, the men's new retreat. life men's retreat, which yeah. is, you know, I started the week at the Arkansas ministers retreat. Ended the week at the New Life Men's Retreat, 
What an incredible retreat that was. Well over 100 guys came. Uh, Jason French, who we're going to interview on an upcoming podcast, he was the the main speaker and did just a fantastic job. Awesome. Um, it was just the whole weekend was great. And all those guys at the men's retreat on Sunday morning, they came back and all of them together with their families attended the 11 a.m. service at the Highlands campus. Now, I wasn't at the Highlands campus on Sunday. I was at the Reardon campus, but I heard it was rocking. Oh, and sure. those those fired up men coming back. But, you know, during all of that, um, we we use an app that tracks our family. So we know where our family's at all the time. It's, you guys use it, too, with your kids, that Life360 app. So I looked at the Life360 app, and I was here in Arkansas, and Brock was down in Dallas. You were in North Carolina because you had a layover. Yeah, on my way. And Neil was up in Annapolis. Annapolis. And I took a screen grab of that, and <laughs> I sent, it, I sent it to all of you. And I'm like... I'm not liking how yeah. our family is so spread out. And uh, this is, you know, it, it's interesting because I know that I've, I've known since the day that our children were born, and I've said this many times, that they weren't ours to keep forever, that these little boogers are going to leave the nest one day. So we have one foot in and one foot out of the empty nester world. And I'm just going to be honest, I don't love it. <laughs> I don't. I I'm not, in a sense, struggling with it. I understand my, I understand this place in life, but I don't like. And I'm, I'm super proud of my son. I'm super proud of what he's doing. Um, I hate that he's 1150 miles away. That part stinks. That's hard. Um, We're glad he's happy. I love that Brock is still home. I still get him for a couple more years. And but anyway, it's just. And then and then the wonderful, beautiful thing is that. Sunday night. No, Monday night. Monday. Monday. Night. Monday. I Sorry, I got Sunday. my days wrong. By Monday night, we were all back together. And man, what a sweet. Well, three sweet, of us. Neil was well, back yeah. at school still. Yeah, but the three of us, me, you, and Brock, had all come back together. And um, and that's just a really. But man, what a crazy busy week this has been. It was. So I was really looking forward to this week coming in. And it has felt more normal, whatever normal feels like when you're in the ministry. But yeah, but yeah last week, it's busy, good, but but coming back. So yeah, it's a little taste of what our life is like. And, and I hate to say it, but it's more like that than normal most of the time. Yeah. And that's why once, once or twice a month when there's nothing on the calendar, we're like, don't schedule anything. <laughs> anyway, hey, it's all good. I would never want it to be any other way. I love I love doing what we're doing and I love seeing what the Lord's doing here at New Life. It is life group season now in the life of New Life. And uh, we have life group seasons and we have some really good life group study guides now. I feel like they're like new and improved. So kudos to you, Joe Williams. <laughs> it was just not just me. There's other people involved with I that. I know, but they really are. It's a really good study guide. If you guys aren't in a life group or grab the life group questions, you can also get them on the app. But I really feel like our life group has grown even over the last few weeks with these new questions and this kind of this new approach. So good job. Are you complimenting me? I am. Well, as I was saying a second ago, there's, Did it sound like sarcasm? there's many hands in bringing that to the table, but well, I know that you, you write the sermon and then you collaborate on the, the study guide, but the study guide is, 
And if you aren't using the app, you should maybe look at it and see which one you like better. The printed one, which we have by all the the doors, or if you download the new life NWA app, there's life group questions on there and it's new and improved as well because everybody whose part is in that now you just like click the link if you've downloaded the YouVersion Bible app and it will open it up in the app and you can just read the scripture and answer the it's questions. It's new and improved and, all the way around. I know. It's really good. And so you've been in this courageous series, which I think has been really good. There's been a couple weeks here that um, we've had some great discussions in our life group. We talked again about foreskin. I know we've already been there before in our Didn't podcast. Didn't we have a whole podcast dedicated we to did. that? We and did. I think you opened that podcast by oh, screaming yeah. the word foreskin. Yes. Well, of course. It was necessary. Was it a scream or was, was it, it like a song? It was more like a chant. <laughs> foreskin. Like that. It was more like that. Well, yes. Well, that was actually two sermons ago. It was two. Was it two? Ser- okay. Well, we had we had uh, our interview with the Rafa International, Patty, yeah, Patty yeah. from Rafa International. So we didn't talk about that. But right. you're actually going back two study guides yeah. ago when when specifically the Israelites were ready to charge Jericho. But God said, no, wait, you're yeah. not ready yet. They need we, to. You need to get your spiritual house in order. And that that spiritual house getting in order required them to restore the covenant that they had broken out in the wilderness and the restoration of that covenant included foreskin. Now, now Kirsten or, or being a foreskin, foreskin circumcision, <laughs> circumcision, sorry. The, <laughs> it included foreskin. No, but they, it they circumcision, circumcision. So, uh, um, went up on the hill. The yeah. Let me, te- let me, let me test your Bible knowledge. Let oh, me see how well geez. you remember. Cause okay. I know you remember that part, but obviously, um, why? Okay. Here's a trivia question. What is the name of the hill? That they all circumcise themselves on. Well, you made a joke about this in your message and you said, I'm not going to say it. You can look at it in the footnotes of your Bible, but I believe it is the hill of foreskin or the foreskin of hill well, <laughs> of hills. The foreskin of hills. <laughs> Could you imagine we live in like the, the Ozark Hills, but the foreskin hills, it's the hill of foreskins. Is that it? Hill of the foreskins. I don't know the biblical name. <laughs> okay, well, why don't we why don't we look at the text and do you want to do you want to look at the text? Well, I was going to say, are you going to give me the name? Are you looking it up? Are you looking it up? Get quick. Well, it's going to be in Joshua chapter four. No, five. Chapter five. I'm in Joshua chapter five. Circumcision and Passover. Harloth. Yep, Gil- Gilboa with Harlow. Harlow's. Oh, <laughs> sorry, my computer was trying to open a program. See, he's cheating, everyone. He's I'm on not his cheating. Computer, look at him. But I see, I just knew the footnote. Hill of Foreskins. That's right. So Harlow's Gilbreth or Gil yeah. Gibbeth Gibbeth Harlow's. <laughs> See, that's the thing about Bible names. You just, you, can just you just say whatever you know. You say it as best you can, but you say it with confidence because. Gabith Harlow. And if you look at the footnote at the bottom of your Bible, you know, and all the Bibles with footnote names and things. And what is the, what is, they named it that because. Means the hill of foreskins. That's right. The hill of foreskins. That's yeah. where they all, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of men who so did this. So you went up on the hill of Gabith Harlow. And you 
Yeah. I just, we were just talking about it in our life group, just trying to imagine what it would be like if a whole bunch of men walked up on a hill. Cause we live in a hilly area and they just started circumcising each other. Well, the backstory yeah. is if you, if you recall from the sermon and from the text, they had, that was a requirement that the Lord said that For every, sure. every Jewish boy born eight days old needs to be circumcised. It's the mark of God's people. Right. And, um, and they hadn't done that in 40 years. So we're talking hundreds of thousands of Israelite men who had been born and raised out in the wilderness. And God's like, to get your spiritual house in order, we need to restore the covenant and require circumcision. So hundreds of thousands of men, they go circumcise each other. I'm sorry. Men can barely handle a cold. <laughs> this would be an extreme. At least the women ha- didn't have to go up there. I mean, I don't think the women, the women didn't have to go up there and take care of them. Did I, they? I don't know. Well, you're the Bible scholar. <laughs> the Bible doesn't say. All the Bible says is, filling in the is, blanks here? is they, and they went, fed them they went back they obviously to, couldn't move. <laughs> <laughs> they went back to camp to heal. So they had to heal. It was a, healing process and and we actually have one of the one of the ladies in our small group our life group she's a surgical pa and when she was um living overseas she did a ton of circumcision surgeries on on um adult men and she was telling us that that is it is no easy surgery for an adult male this is not i mean when you do it as a baby they forget all about it but as an adult it's it's it's, she said stitches are required so anyway not to get gross on here but but yes, just starting to squirm a little bit. I'm not trying. I'm not squirming. Stitches just- required, but I don't think they had stitches up on Gilby Gilberth Harloth Gil Gilbeth. <laughs> I'm not saying it so confidently. I'm not yet. sure where this podcast is going today, but anyway, <laughs> I know what we plan to talk about. And I think we're going to get there still. Okay. But. Well, anyway, so so we had a really good discussion. It was more educational. And we did kind of go back and maybe venture into our junior high ways in some of those discussions. I think the point you're trying to make is that these new study guides are bringing out conversations <laughs> that I don't think we were having before. And, and Listen, our surgical PA friend was giving us demonstrations of adult surgeries <laughs> of how it was happening. We're like, okay, do we, we're like, do we need demonstration <laughs> she just she was just trying to help us she understand to help us understand how all that's happened. involved she was really trying to make us understand that this was no little thing so all that to say let's come back to why we started down this road <laughs> um the study guides we have a servant sermon based life groups model which mm-hmm. means we take the subject matter that was discussed or the scripture that was presented on sunday morning a study guide is built around that text or that subject matter and that becomes the basis of alignment for all of our life groups at new life so we're all having the same conversation and i would agree with you kirsten i think there's many hands that are involved in this but i do think it's it's definitely an upgrade mm-hmm. from what we were and before our last season we were really trying to promote discussion but what we want to do now, we're, we're, our church is leaning in heavier than we ever have in discipleship and growth. And so and so we tried to bring a little bit of Sunday school back to the life group study guide. So now it's more of a traditional Bible study. Sunday school. Traditional Bible study or traditional kind of you know Bible study with yeah. application. Yeah. And there's parts where you can take deeper dives and you can grow. And what we're finding is that even the, the simpler parts, of, like the first seven, eight, nine questions are usually what I call quick hitters. 
hey, what happened here? Get in the word, study it, read it, present it. You know, something that I've kept hearing was like, boy, it doesn't take us very long to get through the first opening questions. Well, it's not supposed to. They're quick hitters, practice getting in the word, coming out of the word, talking about it. And then the application is more discussion driven. But what I'm seeing with this format is when what I'm hearing back from our life groups is we are experiencing greater discussions, deeper levels of discussion than we have the last time. So yeah, I I appreciate what you said. I do think it's an upgrade. Deeper that you can go deeper and with your own study if your life group doesn't have time to do that you can do that on your own so right but i and a memory verse and a memory oh that's right we added scripture memory without looking can you no without looking can you do it <laughs> come on pastor are you gonna put me on the spot like that <laughs> you put me on the spot of course i can do it the memory verse for this week is joshua four twenty four. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. It sounded like you read that. Well, since we don't video this podcast, you'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) That is the power verse, but there's one for each month. One for each month. So so last month was Joshua 1, 7 and 8. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, this this month it's uh, Joshua 4, 24. And then... We're getting ready. We got another week, I think. And then the next when we get in November, we'll have a uh, another power verse. And I think that's so important for scripture memorization. The reason why Did you memorize scripture when you I know you went to a Christian high school for a little while. Did you have to memorize scripture? Honestly, I don't remember that being a, a major part of We had of, to every week. Now in Bible college there was a ton of scripture memorization. Yeah, but in high school, junior high, elementary school, my entire life, we had a new Bible verse or text not just one verse that we had to um, memorize and then write out every week, mm-hmm. every week I think for years good. and years. I think it's great practice, mm-hmm. but anyway, a, a kind of emphasis is bringing a little bit more Bible study back to life group, some scripture memorization. You know, I think, I think um, the more that you put it in, I think the Holy Spirit has a way of recalling it when you need it. I've had that experience before where a verse will pop into mind that I haven't read or studied in a long time, but it was timely. And like, and I, I think I'm reminded when the Lord says, when Jesus sent out his disciples two by two, and he said, he said, basically said, don't worry about what's going to come out of your mouth. I'll, I'll give you the words when you need it. I've had those experiences mm-hmm. before. There's been times I've had talks with people going, where did that come from? And he's like, I know I didn't just pull that out. I mean, the Lord brought that up, yeah. but it's because it was first in there. And that's kind of the whole point. If, if you get it in there, it's in there for good. Now, you may not be able to recall it on your own, but the Lord will pull it up when you need it, which is pretty awesome. So I agree with you, Kirsten. I think that these study guides and I'll, and coming back to what you said too, I am loving this um, series that we're in. And, and I said this to the church this weekend that not just the jo- not just Joshua that we're in, but going back to Genesis and Exodus, we didn't study Leviticus, Numbers, or Deuteronomy. We're kind of we're we're referencing back to those books now that we're in Joshua. But the idea was Genesis was our origins, rather through Genesis, and then rescued, which was Exodus. They just blend together, and then Joshua. Now it's like a movie trilogy, where you have Origins was the first movie. Rescued was the sequel, and now Courageous is the finale. Mm -hmm. So we've tracked with the Israelites from their infancy through their slavery and deliverance, and now their entrance into the promised land. And what I told the church on Sunday is that I have grown so much by being in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really have. I have I loved. Has, I have yeah. loved it, and I have grown so much. I have learned so much. I've connected dots that whether I knew it and forgot, or was be reminded of it. But um, I've grown a lot, and I hope people have grown a lot too. 
And the thing that I told the church on Sunday or this weekend was that there is this truth that that sings louder in my mind than it ever has. I've always believed it, but it just now more than ever, it's so blatant. And that is God hasn't changed to the whole thing. God hasn't changed. And, and if there's anything that I hope that our church sees, uh, especially through Joshua is that truth. God hasn't changed. And I see so much relevancy for our walk with Christ today from the book of all places, from the book of Joshua, as they're trying to move into the promised land mm-hmm. and they have these victories. We looked at Jericho, the defeat at Jericho just this last uh, weekend how that relates to our walk with Jesus today. So the word of God is timeless. And this is why it just pains me to no end. I, I've taught, I've ranted about this on this podcast many times. I've ranted about it in front of the church. I've ranted about it in staff meeting. I ranted about it at the Arkansas minister's retreat. I can't stand what the progressive liberals are doing mm-hmm. to the church today. I mean, mm-hmm. it just drives me as this progressive Christianity nonsense. I've got friends that are dabbling in this, right? I just, I just cannot imagine how they can just say the, you know, Hey, the Bible is not God's word anymore. Um, I can create God in whatever way I want to. And here I'm getting ready to rant again. I, I read an article just recently. I'm just, it's all fresh in my mind of just like, okay. So for example, since we're on the subject, Oh, why don't you go? Go ahead. Go ahead. Since we're on the subject, um, I just read an article and, and it popped up and I and it caught my attention because here's the title of the article: "God Lied to Humanity." That's that's the title of the article: "God Lied to Humanity." Um, and the subtitle of the article is: "This has to be the most blasphemous sermon of all time." Hmm. And of course, a guy like me who sees an article like that pop up in the news, I'm going to pay attention. I won't read the whole article to you, but essentially there is a, there is a, a, um, a so-called pastor and I won't even, I won't even give them the credit because I don't consider them the pastor. If you, if you're preaching a false gospel and you're promoting such, you don't even deserve the title of a pastor. And, um, and, um, and she's actually, this pastor is a part of, uh, the, the, uh, PCUSA, which is a denomination that's gone extremely liberal and progressive in every way. But but this is a pastor that has prided herself and preached sermons on the fact that she's had several abortions and she claims that God led her to do that. And it was a spiritual thing and she has no regrets and she's a, you know, a Planned Parenthood advocate, pro-choice advocate. How this woman has a pulpit, I have no idea. But you look at the denomination she's in, it's not surprising. And the article basically says, you know, her church is very, very small, but in the age of social media and internet, that anybody can find a platform. Mm-hmm. And doesn't matter if your congregation's very small, if physically there's very few people showing up, you could have an online reach that's well beyond. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she basically built this whole sermon and she called God a liar in the sermon. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine a pastor standing before your church? I don't care if you're progressive or not and calling God a liar. And she says, I have, these are her words. I've reinterpreted the Genesis account and the garden account where, and she said, she's reinterpreted. She has reinterpreted. And that's a whole, that's that whole phrase right there. Reimagine, reinterpret. If you ever hear a preacher say that it's a telltale sign that they're progressive. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, it, it, it just really, it gets me fired up because 
A, you can't even call God a liar. That That's just foundationally blasphemous. Blasphemy, yeah. In fact, in this article, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to just going to read the one sentence from this article that I'm like, I couldn't have said it better myself. Right. Um, it was a blasphemous bastardizing of God's word. Hmm. That, that this article, because this article was coming out against this oh, preacher yeah, who did for that. Sure. And they said this preacher, um, it was blasphemous bastardizing, bastardizing of God's word. I'm like, I wow. couldn't have said it better. Because if you're going to stand up before people or have an mm-hmm. audience, you're going to call God a liar, mm-hmm. then, then, that is some dangerous, dangerous territory. But the whole point of the sermon was that God lied to Eve about what to eat, and it was actually Satan that came in and brought truth and reality. Hmm. Can you imagine? And she said, I have reinterpreted all of this, and um, and and basically conservative Christians, i.e. people like me, have got this thing all wrong and they can't take my God away from me and they can't take the God that I know and blah, 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 blah. I just don't it, even know where she, where she would get, like, get that. What, where is she even getting that? Like, where does that come from? Listen, she's not a Christian. No, I know, but like, I don't even understand how you can even pull that. Like, where do you, where do you get that from? Where do you pull that from? Well, it's 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 foundationally this. Progressive Christianity puts all the emphasis on self. Mm-hmm. It puts all the emphasis on what I want. And so the, the biggest difference is, like, okay, for example, like in Joshua, we're studying Joshua. Mm-hmm. So in this last text that we looked at in Joshua, the end of chapter five, going into chapter six, he has an encounter with the commander of God's army. And the second that Joshua realizes that he is with the commander of, of God's army, which I believe was the pre-incarnate Jesus, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I believe the text indicates. When he realized who he was dealing with, Joshua fell face down before him and said, what is it that God wants me to do? Mm-hmm. I'm your servant. What do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Joshua already led from a position of this is God's doing and I'm here to serve him. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to progressive Christianity, I even hate the word put Christianity in this liberal nonsense that mm-hmm. we're saying, this reinterpretation, reimagining, you're not starting with I am the Lord's servant. Mm-hmm. You're starting with a position of what do I want? Mm-hmm. What do, what are my passions? Yeah. What are my desires? And then we then they from that position go to God's word and say, where can I find support? Mm-hmm. It's not about what God wants. It has nothing to do with um, um, I am your servant. Scripture. It's interpreting what you want to get out of it. It is all about shaping mm-hmm. the Bible to match an American secularizational view of life. So if you are somebody who's like, 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 you know what? I don't think homosexuality is a sin and there's nothing wrong with it and it's not a sin and God doesn't care. Um, you know, how we love, it's who we love that matters. God God just wants us to be faithful in our love. If you start with that position, you've deemed it, this is my position. And now you're going to go to God's word and you're going to try to reimagine or reshape a narrative that fits the conclusion you've already reached at the outset. Mm-hmm. So before I go to God's word, I've reached my conclusion. And um, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've heard these so-called progressive uh, pastors basically say to their congregation, listen, if anything in God's word keeps me from loving who I want to love, then I have to dismiss it. Hmm. And so they reimagine it. They reinterpret it. So you get this nonsense. Well, you know what? In the garden, 
it was actually God who was manipulating Eve, and it was Satan that actually brought her reality. And it was Satan that un- helped her understand what morality was and all this stuff. I'm going, are you kidding me? Are you are you absolutely kidding me? So, yeah, so I read this article. Does, does it surprise me? No, it does not surprise me. But here, here's the bottom line. If you start with your conclusion and then you try to shape God to match your whims and desires, you are flirting with progressive Christianity. Mm-hmm. The reality is to be like Joshua. I am your servant. What message do you have for me? What do you want me to do? I will do whatever God wants me. It's about obeying. When the Israelites went and they marched around the walls of Jericho, did that battle strategy make any sense at all? No, No. but it took faith. And they said, because God said to do it, we'll do it. It doesn't matter. We start with what God wants. We obey. That battle of Jericho, the battle was God's, his victory, but it was an opportunity for the Israelites to take God at his promises. Here's the deal. In progressive Christianity, you're not taking God at his promises. You're trying to make God fit your perception of what your wants and desires are. There was a line in this article that I thought um, described um, progressive Christianity about as well as as anything. Let me see if I can find it. I just pulled up the article. Um, uh, I'll get to it here in just a minute. Um, Well, now everybody has like a snapshot of what it's like to be in our life group. Because Joe will start talking about something and then, and then I read this article and just really, I got to go on this rant. Yep. That's, that's life group, but we do get through our questions and he does a good job. We, he doesn't always lead, but definitely we hear about some of this at our life group as well. So, yeah, I'm trying to find, there was a one, there was one line that just, I'm like, man, if that's not. If that's not a description of what progressive Christianity is, I don't know um, um, what is, and I don't know if I can find it real quick. But um, you keep talking, Kirsten, for a minute. I'm gonna I'm gonna find this quote in here. So, oh, hey, no you pressure. you and Abby talk amongst yourself okay. for just a minute. Well, you know what I'm curious about? Um, how is it to have a life group? Like, do they? Is it just like sermon 2.0? You yes. know, do they just sit there and Sometimes. let Joe preach at them or? Not preach, but he will definitely say, oh, I didn't get to say this in my sermon because um, I had to cut this part out or whatever. And he'll share like stuff from what we joke about the cutting room floor, like stuff that he'll be like, oh, I wanted to talk about this a little bit more, but I didn't get a chance to. But I would say that he does. He's very preacher like in our life group, but he he he's good at not taking over the whole thing, you know, allowing other people to answer questions and doesn't put anyone down if it's the wrong answer or anything like that. Um, because it can be intimidating, but did they, did it take them a while to like get up the courage to answer a question in front of the lead pastor? Cause I do. And now that you like think about it, it it probably is a little intimidating because you're like, you answer every question with a question, like, Hill of foreskins, like, <laughs> right? Am I right? Pastor? Is this right? And then, well, not exactly, but you're on the right track. Uh, and then you're like, oh, okay. Um, but it it's just um, everybody participates, and then he's good at going. Well, you're on the right track. You're on the right track, mm-hmm. um, and and is positive that way. But it is. I mean, I, I I've not been not 
in a pastor's life group. So I don't know what another life group would like be normal, Mm -hmm. but I would imagine that everybody's like, oh, I'm in the pastor's life group. And so, you know, it's one of those things that they're they just know that it's going to certain topics and certain things are going to get elaborated on. So I have been accused of preaching a sermon or two at life group. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm I'm really good at being the hall monitor. I know that's shocking for all of everyone, but I'm really good at going. You've got four minutes until we need to pray. Um, But you know, I think in our life group, we are such good friends that I don't think there's one personal life group that has any problem saying to me, yeah, Joe, don't preach us. Don't preach us the sermon again. No, I, think. I don't know. They're not going to be rude about it. I, I'll, I'll venture to say, hey, 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 you've already talked plenty. You need to cut the chit chat and let other people talk now. Well, this is, this is the line from the article that I thought was so good. Oh, you found it while we were talking. I did. And, and which was so good. And I think um, personally, I think it, it explains progressive Christianity. So this is in response to this flat out reinterpretive scripture and, and painting God as a liar. And the article says, this is idolatry 101, mm-hmm. you know, cause obviously it is, mm-hmm. it is also the fruit of so much progressive Christianity, the manufacture of a false God that looks remarkably like you. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that, and there's a little yeah. bit more here, but, but that's what you're, you're creating a God in your image. And it's, and it's amazing how you shape God to somebody that looks just like you instead of you shaping yourself to reflect what God wants. Right. So idolatry, one, it's, it's the fruit of so much progressive Christianity, the manufacture of a false God that looks remarkably like you. One that permits you to reinterpret scripture in a way that just so happens to always match your wants, permit your passions, encourage your urges, and facilitate your desires. One that never says no. Hmm. I think now whether the the author of this article article intended to make such a concise um, review of progressive Christianity, this author nails it. Mm-hmm. That's what progressive Christianity is. You start with your conclusions about what God thinks, not actually what the Bible says, because the progressive Christians already dismissed the Bible. Mm-hmm. They've already. They've already they've already said the Bible's not trust, trustworthy. It's a man made book, so it's open for reinterpretation. That's the whole problem. They don't have any authority with Scripture. Mm-hmm. But then they're just like, you know what? So the God that I want to believe in, well, that God allows me to reinterpret His words. I'm allowed to do that, and 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 it's just crazy how all these progressive Christians just happen to always create a God that that wants the same things we want Mm -hmm. love is love whatever that means Mm -hmm. and permit your passions encourage your urges facilitate your desires and here's the key a god that never says no a god never. so think coming back to joshua had joshua been a progressive christian all right let's say he was a progressive jew at the time and 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 he would see this this commander of the lord's army first of all joshua would have said i don't believe that you're from god because I don't believe that um, that what you say to me is actually God's words. In fact, but what do you have to say? And and this Lord of the God or the 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 commander of the Lord's army would say, "You're going to march around Jericho for seven days, six days, one time, and and then seven times on the seventh day." And Josh would say, "Okay, what you're really saying is marching around Jericho is really figurative." And it really doesn't matter that we take the ark and it really doesn't matter that we blow trumpets and it doesn't really matter 
um, because Jericho is not really even the problem. The problem is um, that, you know, whatever, you name it. And so I'm going to reinterpret these words. And so it's not really a physical march. It's really, you know what? God wants you to march around the ideas and ideologies that keep you from being you. So Jericho is no longer the, the center of sinful passion that God hates and wants to eradicate. No, Jericho is the thing that's keeping me from being who I am. Mm-hmm. So I need to just conquer Jericho. I need to march around the and conquer the, 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 the Jericho in my life that's keeping me from really being me. And so it's a figurative movement. And so I, you know what? I've circled up. I've conquered my Jericho. And, and my Jer- Jericho says that I can go live however I want. And, and the real problem was God was in the way. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious no, here. I know, but, but I've heard people say stuff like that. Like, oh, it sounds like you've conquered your Jericho and like talk shows and stuff like that. And it's like, wait, what? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I, I, you know, my, my illustration may have broken down there a little bit, but I'm (laughs) I'm just coming up with it as I'm talking. But, but the fact that a a quote unquote pastor can stand before her congregation and make the, the audacious statement that Mm. God lied to humanity is just, but this is the nonsense that is going on in many of our churches. Well, and the, it's heartbreaking because people are listening to it and they don't know the truth because they don't know what the truth is. Yeah. And that's what's heartbreaking is that they're like, oh, well, I heard this person say this. You may, so, you may progressive preachers I've listened to, just one the other day here local, who said, God got this wrong. God got this wrong. Can you imagine the oh, audacity to stand in a pulpit and and say i love god's word but god got this wrong so this preacher that i was listening to i actually haven't yeah you know i just haven't this guy i stopped listening to a few months ago because i just you know there comes a point where you can't stomach it any longer and i hadn't listened to him in months but for what i was doing some dishes in the house and so i put on my airpods he does and, do dishes folks and I, and i was cleaning up the kitchen and i was like well let's see what this i more, left you some today to do too let's see what this <laughs> what this um fake christian has to say to his church today and 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 um and he begins by addressing what's going on in the middle east hmm. and and I, I'm shocked that God didn't strike him dead in the pulpit. Wow. I, I'm shocked that God doesn't strike more people dead yeah, in the pulpit. For real, really, of, uh, doesn't Ananias and Sapphira some people, right. you know, before they're lying. And what he, I don't even want to give him. I don't even want to give him. I don't even want to platform him. Right, platform right. him on yeah. this. But I just sat there doing dishes, scrubbing harder than usual on the plates and pots Angry. and pans. Like, how can you say that? And and he flat out said, God got this wrong. And and. And, and basically, he was saying, the reason I was even interested is he's preaching in a similar part of the Bible that I'm preaching right now. Mm-hmm. So the Israelites taking the promised land. But of course, the, the perspective of the Bible is that, oh, how could, you know, when people ask questions, how could God be so mean and drive out all those people? Those people had hundreds of years to turn to God and their wickedness had reached full measure. And God said, I'm going to drive this wickedness out of the land and establish Israel as a holy nation to the world mm-hmm. they had all the time rahab is a great example of that in jericho she turned her heart to god and she was saved it is a picture of the judgment to come there's so many scriptural less spiritual lessons to be learned from this battle of jericho you know what he chose to focus on 
God was just a big, mad, mean God. And you know what? He did nothing different than what we've been doing for years. We drove the Indians out. They were there first. Land is precious. How could God do that? And how can we even justify? How oh, how can we God. even justify and, and support a God? This is a pastor. I know, but who, he sounds so uneducated. The sad thing, he's very educated. And the thing is, but he comes from this perspective. I can't trust all of God's word. I can reinterpret things. And I reinterpret it through my my modern lenses and my modern lenses says, how could anybody drive another person off their land? And it's an absolutely miss what the, what this whole part of the Bible is all about. Mm -hmm. So he's looking at it through Americanized Mm -hmm. secular secularism. Mm -hmm. We did this. We do wrong to drive people off their native lands. So what's going on in our world right now, there's a narrative in the world that the big bad bad Jews are, are, are driving Palestinians off their land. Did we ever forget that God gave this land to the Israelites to begin with? You know, that's a whole nother subject. Don't get me started. (laughs) But this whole sermon was all about how literally the point of his sermon was God was a big, bad, mean God to do that to all those pagan nations in the promised land. And how can we, how can we, if the highest ideal is God is love, how can we bring together and harmonize this concept that a God is love would also completely destroy a city like Jericho? You can't bridge those things together. So we have to dismiss some things in the Bible for us to live in harmony with people today and to, and to understand the deeper root meanings of the Bible, which is, Hey, love, Trump's all. We need to love everybody. And so anybody that's going to be big, mean, and bad and retaliate, and and it that's obviously not what God wants. Well, you can argue what the Israel what the Jews are doing and Israel's doing. You can you can argue that all day long. It's not the point of this podcast. The point is if you start with the premise that I can create a God in my own image and I can shape him to do whatever I want then you've got the heartbeat of progressive Christianity. Mm -hmm. And I am so sick of it. So I make this declaration today. I've said this publicly. I'll say it here on this podcast. New Life Christian Church will never go progressive. Mm -hmm. As as long as I'm the pastor here, it will never be a progressive church. We will never pull our anchor up off of God's word. And the second that I ever do that, it's time for me to go. This church will never be progressive. This church will never be liberal. And I will never lead this church down the path that so many of these pastors are leading their churches down the path. But I'm telling you, churches that pull anchor off the Bible are dying churches. Mm -hmm. You look, you know, even though they have platforms and, and people pay attention to it, you look at their congregations, they're usually very small. They, 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 you pull your anchor off God's word. Um, you are, you are writing the death sentence on your, on your congregation. So but these, it kind of goes back to our, some of like our life group questions. People need to be grounded and know what they're hearing and, Absolutely. and be able to go and study it for themselves and know what they're hearing. And I think so, I mean, to encourage people to get in God's word yourself and don't take this person's word for it that you're hearing. Don't take Joe's word for it. I mean, we know that you're teaching the truth and from the Bible, but I think so many people just accept what they're hearing and don't, they don't guard themselves. Um, and they're not, they're not really able to, they're illiterate 
they're spiritually illiterate and so they don't know what has what allowed the rise of progressivism this this new progressivism has always been around by mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. we've been dealing with liberal theology for, sure. for hundreds of years for sure. but this newest rise of that that has aligned itself with the LGBTQ community social justice all of these things trying to frame it up into something which you know it's which it's not but but this modern rise mm-hmm. of progressive mm-hmm. christianity it has come about because people don't know what the Bible says, mm-hmm. and 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 they're easily manipulated. If you are in God's Word and you know what the Word of God says and you've grounded yourself in it, you are not an easily manipulated person. Mm-hmm. But because most people, most people in our churches are not, they're not in God's Word. They're not studying it. I, I think most people have picked up on the fact that there has been been a major emphasis on getting into God's word here lately Mm -hmm. at New Life. Mm -hmm. I am proud to say that we've given out over 800 story Bibles now. Wow. 800. 800. And on a weekly basis. 800 this year. 800 in the last six weeks. Yeah. Seven weeks. Wow. um, Since late summer. Okay. And, 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 And I'm just blessed by how many people come up to me on a weekly basis and they tell me what they're learning. Or things that they've grown. Um, Have we talked about the story Bible on here to know? Well, if like you can find it on Amazon, but it is a Bible or it's a book of the Bible. I can't say it correctly, but it's in chronological order, correct? Right. That Basically, there is a storyline that runs from the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, all the way to Revelation. There's a story mm-hmm. of what God is doing with, with humanity and how God's mm-hmm. plan to save the world through Jesus Christ. You mm-hmm. can track that story. The hard part about reading the Bible is if you've never done it before, um, the Bible isn't chronal is it's kind of, it moves chronologically, but not all the books in the Bible are chronological order. And sometimes, um, and some you, books repeat themselves. And sometimes you lose track of the story because there's mm-hmm. other stuff. So what the makers of the story did was they they found all the scripture related to the story. Mm-hmm. And they arranged all that in chronological order. But it's straight text, word for word. You can put it right next to your Bible. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, I mean, it's word for word Bible. So you start reading. And then, you know, you, you read a couple pages. And then there's a little break and the font changes. And it's a, and it's basically a, a bridge like, hey, so so this is what happened at the end of that, and here's what happens next. Then you jump to the next part. And that's how it is all throughout. So it's the whole Bible broken up into 31 chapters. And and when you read all that, it's like light bulbs go off. To, mm-hmm. Oh, I totally get it. Like, you will understand what the Bible is all about. Then when you go back and read the rest of it, it makes a whole lot more sense. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of my favorite tools. I always try to put that in somebody's hands who've never read the Bible before. I always say start here. Back in 2017, I preached all 31 chapters of the story in a series called The Story. Without and a beard. Without a beard. That's right. And um, I can I tell you. say that again. Without a beard. Beard. Yeah. For me, I think that was the most uh, church shaping series I've ever done here. For sure. We grew spiritually that season. So what we've been doing ever since 2017 is we keep those story Bibles on hand. And anytime I meet somebody that wants to learn how to, wants to read the Bible, never has, Mm -hmm. I give them a story. Yeah. So what we did at the end of the summer is that um, I challenged everybody to get back in the word and I reintroduced the story. And we put a little sticker inside each story Bible with a QR code on it. And you can scan that and it'll take you right to right to the sermons from 2017. And I've encouraged the whole church, read a chapter, watch the sermon, read the next chapter, watch the next sermon and work at your own pace. 
because one of my passions and one of my goals, uh, well, one of my passions as a preacher, one of my goals as a preacher is to help the Bible come alive for people. Mm-hmm. That's what Very I see real. my job here at New Life. The primary focus is to help the Bible come alive. But one of my missions, personal missions, is to get as many people biblically literate as possible in the church because a church that knows God's word is going to be a strong unified church that can work through any situation. And, and we will link the the story Bible and your sermons in our show notes, because if you, if you're listening, you haven't um, read the Bible or know much about it. I mean, it's definitely somewhere where we suggest that you start and uh, it's easy to t- read along with the story and watch Joe's messages. Yeah. But um, a lot of churches have done this series too. So it's so, not just, not just you, but it, yeah. a lot of churches have said, we want our, our church, our people to understand, understand God's word. Yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed having people who have read it come up to me and said, I'm passing my story Bible on to my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you know, Hey, I'm not asking the church to give me another free copy, but what's the link so I can, order a bunch of them. I want to give them to all my kids. That blesses me. You know, yeah. you don't believe. So if you haven't read the story and you know, we keep them, we keep a stack of them here at the church, pick yours up this weekend. If you're part of our church family, love to give it to you. Um, but um, I thinking I've, I've gotten a little passionate here on the podcast today. I, I know, but, it, but is this, good. is this what you guys were talking about? Like at life group, this is how I get <laughs> this. And sometimes you had... usually I would have cut you off a long time ago and <laughs> said, your time is up. But um, on the podcast, we've allowed you to go a little longer today. That's okay. You've allowed me. I, I like I, the way I you said that. Allow it. You will allow it. <laughs> well, anyway, folks, we should probably wrap this up, but, um, you know, just a little journey. Uh, I think we did get to all the things we had in the, in the preparation for <laughs> in today. A very roundabout in way. a very roundabout way. We did get to everything we wanted to talk about. I think I went off a little hard on a little harder than I expected on the progressive stuff, but, but I, just to kind of wrap this up, um, I, I am just going to tell you, you're never making mistake by opening your Bible. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll end with this. And I heard this a long time ago at a conference that I was at, and I've never forgotten it. But the guy that was speaking, he had his Bible in his hand, and 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 he looked out. It was in a gymnasium. We're all sitting in a bunch of bleachers. And I, I remember this moment like it was yesterday. He looked at all of us, and he said, he said, hey, when this Bible is open, God speaks to you. When the Bible is closed, God's still speaking. You just can't hear him as well. And I thought, what a beautiful picture of the importance of being in God's word. Hey, when it's open, you're in it, you're reading it, you're thinking about it, you're, you're discussing it with friends. God uses those opportunities to really speak truth into your life and guide you. The Holy Spirit guides you that way. But when you're never in God's word, in a sense, it's closed. God's still, God's still speaking. It's just your receptors are turned off. You're not receiving it. That's why God's word is the key. So any attempt to humanize this book, knock it down off of its, of it, we keep it a high level, bring it back down and say, well, this is all negotiable. Maybe it's full of errors. Um, it's not really God's words. We can dismiss some of it. You start breaking and chopping that down, which I could defend that all day long as being wrong, but that's what they've done. But you, you, you bring it. So if I was looking for a church today, like if, like if you live in somewhere out, in America. If you're in Arkansas, you should be at New Life. But let's say you live, let's say you live in, in Arkansas. Let's say you live out in California somewhere, or New or, or Florida or wherever, and you're like, I, I'm hearing this podcast, but I'm looking for a church. How do I know? How do I know if I'm getting to this progressive church? All you need to do is you need to find the pastor after church and you need to ask him, What's your view of the Bible? Mm-hmm. That's it. Every, uh, it's all you need to, it's the only question you need to ask. 
what is your view of the Bible? And his answer will tell you. Um, so everything you need to know, if you ask me, Joe, what's your view of the Bible? It is the absolute 100% inerrant word of God. Mm-hmm. It's God's Amen. word for us and it is our guide to life and we should obey it. Um, without hesitation. This is what God wants us to have. We hold the Bible on a very high, we have a very high view of the Bible and it is our guide to everything. So we just try to be a Bible believing Christ centered church. That's my answer to people. So if you're looking for a church and you're not in Arkansas, of course you should be with us, but um, just ask the pastor, what is your view of the Bible? And you'll have your answer. That's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes and the links for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under Under the the Hood. Hood, not a car show. Okay. Oh, All right, we're crossing lines. Word. We're probably making Abby uncomfortable. Poor. All right. It was so. <laughs> we were all dying, though. It was so funny. Oh, my god. So goodness. I don't think that should come up. That's fun in our life. This group. is under the hood. We should leave this. <laughs> this this needs to stay under the hood. This is so under the hood. What in the trunk? The and the trunk should be locked. Locked up tight. What Just happens under the hood stays under the hood. Oh. Oh my